This is The People's Show with Dick Nazar and Randeep Janda. Dick Nazar, Randeep Janda, final hour of The People's Show. Dom Shamati, Josh Elliott Wolf running the show. You as well, 650-650. Don't at me 20 minutes away. You can text in your don't at me submissions and also your don't at me's for or your your submissions to get into the league as well. I see a good one coming in for don't at me. Kind of a would you rather question as well. Uh, we'll get to that uh, coming up in about 15 minutes, but let's talk to Corey Pronman from The Athletic. He does great work uh, putting out a organizational ranking for under 23 players or league ranking. Uh, let's get into it with Corey Pronman. Corey, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Uh, absolutely. So putting this uh, list together, uh, I, I do want to get into some of the Canucks stuff, but uh, I was looking at the, the entirety of the list. 11 Buffalo Sabres players making this U23 list. Uh, this this team slowly is kind of putting together. Now, when you've done these lists in the past, is this finally like the, the premier spot that they've been in where they can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel? Oh, well, they've they've been high for... For a long time, actually. Right. I mean, this is they, they've gone through a couple of rebuilds there in Buffalo since that golden era with with, with Drury and Briere and, and and Campbell and Miller. Uh, you obviously, you know, there was that era where they had Sam Reinhardt and Ristolainen and, and Grigorenko and and then and then he had Gergensons and then of course Jack Eichel. And you thought, okay, this is the core that's going to turn it around. And obviously, it's, you know, many almost all those guys are gone now except for Gergensons. Uh, but uh, but they're they're hoping this time will be different. And they've had they've picked high, they've picked often uh, in in the top two rounds. Uh, obviously, with two first overall pick defensemen and Rasmus Dallin and Owen Power uh, behind them, Jack Quinn and John Jason Paterka and Peyton Krebs were all excellent in the American League. They had three first round picks this year, uh, led by Matthew Savoy at eighth overall. Uh, so there's there's hope. There's the pieces here to turn around in Buffalo. Uh, but uh, it's. But uh, you're going to hope for incremental improvements. Obviously, you love how Tate Thompson did, but that, that Eastern Conference is a bear. I mean, the, the difference between the playoff teams and the non-playoff teams last year was so stark. And Ottawa's getting better, and New Jersey's getting better, Detroit's getting better. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. But I think that that conference and that division is going to be very competitive going forward. Yeah, and they got a long history there as well, which they kind of have to erase that to turn a new page. So that sometimes is a weight on the shoulders. Uh, Detroit, I want to uh, to stay on that for a second though. What kind of job? Do you think Steve Eiserman's done there in terms of amassing that young talent? If I'm not mistaken, there was nine players on your list from the Detroit Red Wings franchise, so they're not they're not that far behind the Buffalo Sabres. They aren't, and they haven't had the first overall pick to do that. You know, obviously, Morris Sider was the sixth overall pick. Lucas Raymond was the fourth overall pick. Both uh, obviously, Sider was the when, won the Calder this season. Lucas Raymond, while well, he didn't win the Calder, he, he got Calder votes and and looks like a budding star as well. I mean, they've done a really good job building it there. I still think they probably need, you know, a little a little bit more, but, uh, you know, I, whether when we'll see what happens when Simon Evanson eventually arrives and how some of those other young complimentary players do when they arrive and they were aggressive this year, adding around the team. Um, you know, you, you think Dylan Larkin's probably going to sign an extension there. So, no, I think they've done a really good job. And they look like they're an organization that's, that's trending sharply upward. The question just goes, same thing with Buffalo. It's like, okay, if you're going to make the playoffs, who do you take out? Are they going to take out the Bruins? Are they going to take out the Capitals? Are they going to take out the Penguins? Uh, it's going to be that, that conference. It just looks really competitive right now. And you have these younger teams trending up. And the question is, you know, when does the Crosby era end? When does the Ovechkin era end? And, and time will tell. When you compile these lists and you've kind of had a chance to maybe review them or just, just see the trends that, 
always prop crop up and, and you mentioned Buffalo obviously going through this like what are the minefields that teams step into of why they repeat these same mistakes that, that you tend to see oh that's a, that's a, that's a question that we can go on for a, <laughs> for a very long time I mean you know Columbus has been rebuilding for as long as I've been following that organization Florida was rebuilding pretty much since they uh, went to the Stanley Cup finals in the early in the early 2000s um, you know the Islanders rebuilt for a long time too so there's there's all kinds of times where it, where it goes really well, and it really comes to hitting on those premium picks. If you're picking in the top five, top three, particularly, or, or around there, you need those guys to come in and pick up impact players. If they're, if they, if they're not even, if they're just like good players, uh, it, it sets the whole plan backwards. I mean, you look at, say, the, the 2016 draft, you know, Austin Matthews turns around Toronto, Patrick Lottie does not turn around Winnipeg. It, it could be as, as simple as that sometimes. Okay, let's talk some Canucks here because this is the uh, the one that Canucks fans all want to focus on. If you look at the list, uh, there's not many Canucks players on it, four. But how much of this list is due to, you know, and the ranking that you gave the Canucks prospect pipeline due to Quinn Hughes? It, he hasn't graduated that age group yet. How much of that is all Quinn Hughes? Um, a considerable portion of it, to be quite honest. It's just the reality that like Quinn Hughes was, uh, you know, you you look at his offensive production since he's entered the league for a defenseman his age. It's, you know, among the upper percentiles of guys in, in, in the modern era. I mean, this guy has, is an elite offensive defenseman with his, you know, tremendous skating skill, uh, puck moving ability. Uh, you know, he's obviously a great player. And, and then, you know, obviously PD graduates from the age, from this age group and Quinn will mm-hmm. graduate a year from now. And that's when it's going to start to get a little thinner. You know, I still like Vasily Put-Colton quite a bit. I think he's going to be a really good top six winger for a long time. I think Niels Hoglander is going to be a, a really good player. I think Lekaramaki, you know, obviously a few years behind, maybe takes three or four years for him to get to the NHL, but I think he's a, he's a very good player. Uh, but it does uh, sit up a little bit after Quinn Hughes. And I think where the, the big issue the Canucks are going to run into, maybe not, you know, right now, but with, with the system, it's like I still have some good young players in those positions. But depending on what happens with J.T. Miller and Bo Horvath, as you really look at their farm system and all their best yep, up-and-coming players other than um, the ones we met. You know, sorry, we say that. Their best upcoming players are, are wingers. You look at Lickeramaki and Pitfoles and, and even Niels Hoglander to an extent, even though he's been on the team for two years, there aren't a lot of the premium position guys coming. There aren't a lot of really good centers coming up. There, you know, we'll see with Yanni Yermo. He, he progressed better in the second half. We'll at the World Juniors. But we'll see there aren't a whole lot of good young defensemen coming to this organization. Um, you know, so you get maybe Yermo, maybe the other Elias Pedersen. We'll see. But uh, I think addressing those premium positions are going to be something important for the Canucks going forward. I, I like the list, too, because you know, it's one thing to just say 1 to 170 and people can get mad about you know, put Colson at 52 and someone at 68, sure. but you know, you've done a bit differently that it's tiered because regional people can have different perceptions of a player, but when you break them up into tiers, it, it's easy to, to, to make the difference up between a couple of players. Why was put Colson in a different class for you than say someone like Joel Farabee? Uh, well, I, I think put Colson has yet to prove it in the NHL to say, well, Farabee has Farabee. Was, I know he wasn't, the Flyers struggled last year, but he still played mm-hmm. big minutes, all situations on that team, scored at significant levels. Um, this has been a guy who's been just trending up for a long time. So that's, I think, the difference there. But Colson you know, had a good rookie year, but it wasn't a great rookie year by mm-hmm. any means. I think he's still got to prove that he can be you know, a go-to guy for an NHL team. I think he will be. Could, maybe he could even be as soon as this season, uh, but he hasn't been that yet. Where do you see like the, the growth 
in in that style of player? Is it is it something as as offensive production, which is a question on him coming up into the draft? But I, I I'm really excited about him coming into this year for something that you highlighted that is high end compete level, which is to be honest something that the Canucks don't really have enough of, and it's been highlighted quite a bit. And just that constant motor, and I think as he understands yeah. the the defensive side of the game. The impact he can have on that, to me, is I look at someone as him could have a lot of upward mobility on this on this list a year from now. Yeah, I think with a guy who wasn't you know an amazing skater, you always kind of figured that first year in the NHL would be a little bit of an adjustment. It took him some time to adjust to the KHL, and then by the time he was done in the KHL, he was an impactful player at that level. So maybe it takes you know one, two, three years in the NHL for Picolton to become a really important player in a lineup. But he has the size. He has a great physicality. I do think he has offense. I don't think he's going to ever be your top scorer on your team, but I think this is a guy who will be a power play guy. He'll provide top six offense on the wing, and he'll just be, a, you know, you're right. Maybe he'll not be the, you know, the most dominant offensive player, but because of his elite compete level and, and, and then how hard he plays and the physicality, uh, he's just a guy you're hoping to help you win hockey games, a guy who's going to help, you know, drive a line at even strength, be, be really hard to play against and, 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 and make opposing defenders not happy when he's on the ice. And I think he's going to get there. I think he can get there within the next year or two. Okay, one name I want to ask you about that wasn't on your list, but what's it going to take for Danila Klimovich, 19 years of age, to make that list? What do you want to see from well, him? Well, he, he is talented. He's a big guy. He's got good skill. He can shoot the puck. Obviously, you know, he had some, a real up-and-down first year in the American League. Probably would have loved to see him in the queue, to be quite honest, but he played in the American League, started off really hot, and that second half, uh, you know, there were some struggles. I mean, this is a guy who went from playing Belarus junior hockey to you know, the American Hockey League. So that was a massive, massive jump for him. So I, I, I don't want to, you know, you know, criticize the player too harshly. Uh, that, that was always going to be difficult. But he has talent, and you know, he's just going to have to, you know, he is a goal scorer. This is not a two-way player. This is, he's not a hard-to-play-against player. That's not why they drafted him. They drafted him because he's got skill and he can, and he can shoot the puck. So if he, for him to elevate into that kind of tier where you're thinking, okay, this guy's going to be a first, you know, projected middle six, top six winger with power play time, he's got to score goals and he's got to you know, score at a decent clip. Mind you, he'll only, he'll only be 19 next year in the American League, so I don't want to hold him to unreasonable standards. But I said, you know, you look at, say, some of the other guys on this list, like, say, J.J. Paterka or Alex Holtz, who were 19 years old and in the American League, they scored a lot of goals. Uh, and that's 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 what it would take for someone like him to be to elevate his kind of his projection a little bit. Look, Karamaki um, is for for me like an exciting kind of maybe a flair player. Um, sure. But 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 the functionality of as we were just talking with put colds in like the compete level and overall impact in the game is, is that something that's going to be difficult for him to solve at the NHL level. Right, I think Pekolzin and Lekaramaki are almost kind of opposites of each other in that yeah. where I think, you know, Pekolzin is the even strength the driver, the guy who can play in the hard areas of the ice. You know, he, you know, he makes life difficult on opposing defensemen and goaltenders, but, but when, he get, when he gets to the net area, whereas Lekaramaki is a, you know, a power play guy. He's the guy who creates more from the perimeter than the interior, but when he's on the power play, when he's in the offensive zone, he can pick defenses apart with his skill, his playmaking, and he has an elite, elite shot that can beat goalies from range. So they're they're different. They're very different kinds of players for sure. All right, Corey. Since we have you on, I wanted to get your thoughts on you know a little bit about next year's draft because I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm excited for hockey season, but I'm pretty pretty excited for next year's draft as well and, and everything that goes on. When you talk about depth, when you talk about you know just overall the availability of talent next year, uh, what are we looking at here aside from? 
the Bedards of the world in the top two or three. Like, how good of a draft should this be? Well, we're a year out. A lot of things change. Yep. I'm sure, some people don't remember how much people were hyping up the the year of Shane Wright, Matt, mm-hmm. Matt Labrador, and Matt Savoy. Things you know, things change in the course of twelve months. Uh, what I would say from early on is there are some clear things that stand out to me in terms of the draft. Is it looks like a very strong year in the Western League. It looks like a much after our really poor year in the Ontario League. It looks like it looks like a better year year in Ontario. And in general, I would say this is a more of a forward heavy draft. Whereas I mean, you, when I've, based on what I've seen of the age group so far. Uh, the premier defensemen don't stand out as much, but there's a lot of really good forwards, a lot of really good centers in this upcoming draft that make that makes it exciting. Um, you know, in terms of the actual strengths, you know, we'll see. Obviously, when you know, for me, the strength of drafts you get defined by the top. You know, when you have a, a triple one like a Connor Bedard, guys like Matthew Mishkov and Anderson Tilly, who have really good arguments to be good, at average if not better than average, second and third overall picks. Uh, that that just pushes all the talent down and makes things a little better. We have, we have a weak first overall, moves guys up. Uh, so for and that's sense i see a draft class as a chance to be a really solid age group i'm curious your thoughts on this because you know there was a certain level of projection from all of us like during the pandemic where we'd say well this is going to impact people's developments and in the here and now it was hard to see that in real time obviously there's missed games and all that sort of stuff and i think maybe this draft class the one that just passed is for me the first time we saw that someone like shane wright slipping down a little bit uh, and, and what impact missed games had on him. Now that we've had enough time to kind of go through it and, and see, have you seen any sort of slippage in general from the standards of prospects that maybe you would have seen five years from now or five years ago to where we are now? Uh, I probably wouldn't say that as, as of now. I think the upcoming draft class, the, the old fives who, who missed you know, their, their entire Bantam years, um, and, so, and sorry, yeah, it was their it was their Bantam year, so their 15 year old seasons. I mean, this looks like a good age group so far. So I, I probably wouldn't jump there. I mean, yeah, we saw someone like a Shane Wright slip a little bit from where he was as a 15 year old, um, and obviously there's you can name a couple other players, say like a Wyatt Johnston, who uh, was a 20th overall pick by Dallas, but jumped up really the past year in the OHL and probably would be a top 10, top 12 pick if you read a draft. But I'm not sure I'm seeing massive deviations where you're seeing large clumps of high-end talent underperform or large clumps of pl- unknowns overperform. You know, it's just like how someone like a Jack Quinn emerged a couple of years ago. I think the, I, it could just be part of the random variation of the draft. Uh, but it's hard for me to know, you know, exactly how much pandemic affected these kids. And, you know, it's like an alternate reality. You have to go back. And it's hard to say how much things would, would change if you just change that variable. Hey, Corey, we really appreciate it. Uh, you do great work over at the at theathletic.com. If you're not following Corey already, uh, please do so. Jump online at Corey Pronman on Twitter. I will talk soon. Thank you. Corey Pronman from The Athletic. Uh, again, athletic.com and at Corey Pronman. It's going to be an interesting lesson. And, and, yeah, you mentioned his name, uh, Danila Klimovich. Kind of an omission on a list like that. Yeah. And, hey, 19 years of age, still young in the game. We know it was in a smooth season last year, inconsistent. But, hey, what's it going to take for him to get on the list? And you heard it from Corey. He's got a score. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that put up, what, 50, I believe, two points in 37 games in this final season in Belarus. And we can all contemplate what the better level of play could have been. Corey's of the opinion that it probably was the Q, where – Hey, the Canucks decided to have him in the AHL. Didn't work out all that great in the playoffs, but one thing, and I we both witnessed this, that, and we've seen others report on this as well, is Klimovich hangs around. He asks questions. He's communicating mm-hmm. with the coaching staff. He sticks around longer than required for some of these skates 
and he wants to be involved. He wants to learn. And attitude is so important in all of this because the type of playoffs you have last year, it's a humbling experience, but you're young in the game. You could take a one of two ways. And I like the fact that he's basically saying, all right, so young, yep. I understand I got to learn, and I'm going to put in the work. Soak all of that up, still has to translate onto the ice, sure. right? Like, can't just make exceptions just because someone's oh. nice about it. Um, but you you have to make that application. You got to do the work. Yeah. If you don't do the work, then the results are not going to come. And so interesting to hear thoughts on that score. You score at the AHL level, you, even in limited minutes, that stock's going to take a hit or sorry, take a take a rise. Uh, the other thing, the draft year, and I started looking at this as we were talking to Corey. I'm excited for this year's WHL season because of the strong upcoming draft class and. Connor Bedard will be coming to Langley mm-hmm. on Friday, November 25th. I've already looked it up. It's marked on my calendar. If you're going to a Giants game this year, you want to go to that one? That one, I imagine, is, gonna, is going to be well attended. Exactly. You better probably start looking into tickets right now. But it's going to be VancouverGiants.com. Vancouver Giants. But I'm excited for this year's WHL season. Giants are one thing, but there's going to be a lot of talent in this league. There's going to be a lot of reasons to watch because of that draft class. And you heard... Corey talk about the WHL having a strong class and the OHL should have a, a better one this year as well. But there's reasons to watch other hockey outside of the Canucks. We'll see what they do. Abby's going to have some interesting players on their team. See who can take that step, who can maybe be that first, second, or third call up. But also the Giants themselves and their opposition should be an interesting watch this year. Vic Nazar, Randy Janda, a bunch of submissions already coming in. People doing their work in early. You can do it now. Don't at me. We do it every day here on The People Show. Get your takes in to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Your takes uninterrupted. Don't at me. Text in your submissions to 650-650. Don't at me. I said. Don't at me. Brought to you by Lease Busters. Get out of your vehicle lease with ease, confidence, and a Lease Busters leasing specialist to guide you through the journey. Go to leasebusters.com to start the process today. A lot of submissions already coming in here. All right, I got one. All right. This has kind of been grinding my gears all morning. Don't at me. The Buffalo Sabres goat head jersey, as they call it, is overrated. It's not a nice jersey. All right. They announced that it's going to be the third jersey this year. It's average. It's not like every retro jersey is supposed to be nice. The only reason we pay attention to this one and give it any attention whatsoever is Dom Hashik made it famous. It's not mm-hmm. a nice jersey. So all this buzz across the NHL world of, oh, the Goathead jersey or the Bison head or Buffalo head or whatever it's called, it's not a nice jersey. It's not even, it's barely top three for the Sabres. For the Sabres. Don't at me. It's as overrated as the Flying Skaters. Oh, stop it. No. That, what is, okay. That's not true. Well, I don't, the thing is, I think people think the flying skate is the best Canucks jersey. Yes. Which to me, it is not. But I don't think people rate the goat head for Buffalo as high. So there's so a prevailing. Is overrated. Yeah, there's a prevailing theme between the two here. Black jerseys. Yes. I like the colors. The black, silver, and red. Red. I like the colors. I don't like the logo. And that's where the Canucks one is different. Yes. It, it is retro. The colors are intimidating. They pop. And the logo, in its own retro way, is better than the... Like, why do they call it a goat head anyways? I don't know. It's clearly a buffalo. (laughs) 
Yeah. So this this jersey has it all wrong. It's just wrong across the board. Again, I, I would like to see those colors with a different logo, but and I, I said that about the, the skate logo too. We're partial to the skate logo because if you're a child of the nineties, yep. you obviously grew up with it. To me it's it's a fine logo, but the colors to me is is the real attraction to the oh make the skate the real yes. jersey, the full time jersey. Especially the black one because any black jersey is intimidating, but yeah. Buffalo's just I, no, I, I'm with you on it. There's this idea that every retro jersey is nice. Is nice? No, they're not. Who is the team a couple of weeks ago that brought theirs back and they're like, "Oh, we're doing this." Oh, the uh, Detroit Pistons. They're bringing out that. Uh, yeah. The, 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 the dark era? green. No, the dark oh, green one. Oh, the Grant Hill era. Yeah, they're bringing those back, and it's like retro jerseys are back. Everyone's favorite jersey. Nobody liked those jerseys. Okay. You literally went back to your '80s era jerseys. And colors. I, I'm a big Grizzlies guy. I have a Sharif jersey myself. Like, I love that era of basketball. But we had Mike Bibby on the show a couple years ago. And got his thoughts on the jersey and the popularity of it now. And he said, at the time, we thought it was ugly. Oh. Yeah. The man played in the jersey yeah. and didn't like it. So this idea of everything that is old is gold? Mm -hmm. Nah, man. Not always. 650, 650. Uh, I think this one's from Vicky and Poco. Don't at me. It's a question to us. Would you rather early retirement with enough money to travel or have your pet live as long as you? I'm going pet every single time. 100% pet. Every single time. Not even, how, like, not how, even a question. How early is the retirement? I guess whatever age you want. Okay. You can. I, I love my cat. Oh, come on, Josh. I do. Wow. But it's not like I'm like I, murdering my cat. No, no. If, I, if, if you say you love your cat, I the cat is turning down you... the stream right now. <laughs> your cat was listening on its headphones, just slammed him down and walked away from the cat. I love my cat. It's probably going to live another 15, 16 years. If I could retire right now, I'm taking that. No, man. I'm taking the dog every day. All right. 650, 650. Don't at me. Tyler Myers' performance this year will be more than his $6 million Dollar cap hit. Reggie from Fleetwood. Hmm. Okay. Is that Regal or Reggie? I can't even see this text. Oh, okay. Uh, I believe it's Regal. Okay. I, I saw, Never I thought, heard that one before. Yeah, no, I thought it was a capital I. Either way. Okay, more than that's really optimistic. I mean, that's what Don't At Me is for. Is that a Kelowna number? Do we know if that's... Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not a Kelowna number. Just had to check her, right? Yeah. Uh, we got this one, Marcus and Gibsons. Don't at me, but the white white skate jersey is better than the black skate jersey. I kind it's, of agree. It's clean. I really agree. But I like intimidating jerseys, and black just adds them. I, I think the colors for both are just really nice. Don't Here's at what me. I say. Here's what I say. Come out with the white one, too. Wear that one. I'm before that. Compare. Uh, don't at me. Damian Pierce will win Offensive Rookie of the Year. John from the Ridge. Chris Olave is getting a lot of hype for that. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of QBs you can jump out to. George Pickens, maybe someone that uh, tries to get it. Kenny Pickett. Yeah. But Damian Pierce, he's gonna get a lot. He's gonna get a lot of touches. Tons of touches. In and I know uh, listeners to the station are gonna say Kenny Pickett will win because he plays in a stadium that he played university ball at. He's used to the uh, <laughs> the, the wind. Or whatever. We yeah. actually had that take a couple of weeks ago, and don't at me. So uh, we got this one from John in Surrey. Don't at me. The Canucks will get to the Stanley Cup final before the Seahawks get to the Super Bowl. It's don't at me. That, that's an interesting one. Yep. Right? Like, the Canucks have the core in place. You would hope that can take you back to the playoffs. Seahawks are still trying to find the most important piece. 
Uh, Jake in Port Moody, don't at me. If Buffalo brings back the Goathead, then the Islanders should bring back Captain Highliner. Shaking my head at that decision. I think they are. Yeah, I thought yeah, they I were. I heard that uh, too. Yeah. Reverse retro. Yeah. I was very much under the impression they were. So get hyped, Jake. Get hyped. Uh, don't at me. Oh, John and Surrey going spicy here. I, think Vancouver- I, I read that one. Oh, you did? The uh, Canucks one. Stanley Cup? No. Oh, you got another one? Yeah. Where you got Vancouver it? will lose the Whitecaps, but gain an NBA team within the next seven Ooh. years. That's uh, I don't necessarily see that one happening, but uh, we'll, we'll beat it. Would they still play at BC Place? Because remember, didn't the Spurs do that? Play in no, like a basketball no, stadium? No, they're playing in Surrey. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a given. <laughs> or will their farm team play in Surrey? Uh, both. Both. Hey, maybe the Fraser Valley Bandits will sell out the stadium in Surrey. They're, local. they're south of the Fraser. Doing good work out there. Uh, Cam in Ladysmith, don't at me. The Canucks really need need to get Derek Dorsett as an assistant fighting coach for their upcoming training camp. I feel like Derek Dorsett is uh, kind of busy already. Is he not working in Columbus? He's working in Columbus. Yeah. He Didn't he kind of help? Oh, didn't he have a part to play in the Johnny Gaudreau call? Remember that that behind the scenes? Oh, yeah. I think Dorsett was a, was a player in there. Yeah. Uh, we got this one. It might have been the Good Branson deal. Former teammates. Yes. We got this one. Uh, people are going at Josh now. Don't at me, Josh. Why throw your cat under the bus? Cats and dogs deserve to live forever. I just... You've upset animal lovers. I don't... What? Like, we don't know the, the qualifications. What if the cat lives long, but it's in pain because it shouldn't be living that long? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, you've taken this to a very dark place. Well, it was a very basic question. You had to pick a side, man. I'm still retiring at 24. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Josh just wants to travel. I do. Yeah. So bad. All over the world. I'll take the cat with me. Let it enjoy its last 15, 16 years, because that's not long enough, apparently. It's kind of a thinking man right there. Kind of a thinking man. Uh, all right. Good submissions for Don't At Me into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox more on the way as we wrap up the show uh for the final segment uh, this hour of the people show brought to you by douglas lake equipment get the quality turf construction and ag equipment you need while staying under your salary cap at the closest Kubota dealer to the lower mainland douglas lake equipment.com we'll play you a bit of uh bruce boudreau as he met with israel fair jamie dodd on Halford and Bruff earlier this morning. You can go listen to that uh, on Hour 3 of their podcast. Also, subscribe to ours. Always appreciate it uh, when you are supporting the brands. Connects Central and Connects Hour as well. Uh, we'll. We'll bring you some of that. And uh, you can also check out some of the conversation from Hour 1 of our pod Vic, as well. What's Sorry up? to interrupt you. Can you do the fine folks about the uh, Fido? I was getting to that right now. Let me, deal? yeah, let me do my job. I was doing it. I was Thank getting you. to it right now. Thank you. Don't worry about it. I was, I was worried. I was, I was building up you. to it. I have the read right in front yeah, of me. This is the people show. We have conversations like this all the time. We're yeah. like a family. Yeah. I saw him working. He had the separation in there, so they weren't back to back. I was loading it out. That's why I talked about the Boudreaux thing. I was stalling. See me working here? Oh, we're on air. Okay. Yeah, we're we're all oh, okay. we're on air for all of this. Back to school deals. School deals on the latest phones, plans, and much more are now on at Fido. Visit them in-store or at Fido.ca. Now, back in a minute here on the Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is The People's Show with Bit Nazar and Randy Janda. 
final segment of the show. This Hour of the People show brought to you by Douglas Lake Equipment. Get the quality turf, construction, and ag equipment you need while staying under your salary cap at the closest Kubota dealer to the lower mainland, DouglasLakeEquipment.com. Also here from Bruce Boudreaux in a couple of minutes, a segment brought to you by Pink Floyd's Roger Waters live in the round September 15th at Rogers Arena. Get your tickets now at RogerWaters.com. So we're getting more and more competition here, Randeep. For entries into the fantasy football league. Yeah, we got a bunch of different types of offers. We talked about the city hall behind the scenes tour from counselor Michael Weeb saying, Hey, if you let me into your league, I'll give you a behind the scenes tour of city hall, whatever that means. I'm still not sure what that means, but there is, there's more coming in here, Vic. One that came in during the break, an update to a previous one. You told one of our listeners, mm-hmm. to go do some homework. And just to, to kind of ask some questions, It was this was about renaming a beer after the People Show on the mainland here in the Tri-Cities. Now, said texture has replied back saying he has approval from his boss to it's rename massive. the beer. Rename massive. the beer, the People Show beer. We still, look, we still need the confirmation from the boss. Yeah. Like, actually... That but one looks like it's in play. A big hurdle has been cleared. So it's not official confirmation, but if if we've sent you a way to do some homework on some stuff and, and you've replied back and say, hey, we got this cleared and we got that cleared, on the way. We, we might have to reserve a spot now. And suddenly, hey, if I'm a city councilor trying to get into the league, suddenly I'm on shaky footing. You got up the ante. Might have to dedicate my, my fantasy football resources into uh, October 15th election. That's right. I'm just saying. Better find that vault real quick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are other ones as well. Those are two. There's another one that, you know, Zachary came in with a an awesome, mm-hmm. awesome charitable one as well. Essentially saying, and there's an update to this one, so I want to provide an update. Should we announce one first and then we'll get to Bruce? All right. Okay. Uh, do we agree on this one? I was kind of in on it yesterday. I think we have to be on it this today. And now there's been an upping of the ante. All right. It is the one that I was just about to mention there. Okay. Zachary B. said he would make two donations. Him and his girlfriend. Pet lovers, unlike Josh. Okay. Say- hey, come on. <laughs> <laughs> That, you said it, that, not me, all that right? That honestly was so unnecessary, but I was kind of here for it. You said it, not me. Two $500 donations to a pet shelter or refuge. And he did provide some details on what that donation would look like. This is the doubling down factor. Mm-hmm. Zachary said that he is going to raise those funds, which he will donate Super Bowl weekend, by A, cleaning up the area in Coquitlam where he walks his dog, evening walk, so that's going to be through cans and bottles and all of that. And also where he works, which is a job site in Surrey near the BC Lions practice facility. So over the next little bit, his portion will be A, going to the, the pet shelter or the refuge, but he's going to be cleaning up his community at the same time. I don't know how we can say no to that, man. That's huge. That's huge. You're making things nice for everyone in the community, and you're helping out the pets. I feel like that's all—that's an entry. All right. I think we agree. All Welcome right. to the league, Zachary B. Welcome to the league. Another great deed in the community. All right. So we got uh, two left 
by way of bribe entries. And one left for via turf. turf trivia. It's getting down to it. Time to ante up, folks. So, so bring in your best offer, basically, over the next 24 hours. I'm looking at you, counselor. This is this is Patrick Alvin, JT Miller territory. Yes. Bring, bring us your best offer, because it's, it's going to be tough to get in there. Yeah, Lundquist, Heedle, and <laughs> Kravsov is not going to cut it anymore. <laughs> up the ante! We're going to start replying specifically, be like, no, this is the Lundquist, Heedle, Kravstov. We can come back to this offer. Yeah, we'll circle down back. Down the road. Yeah, we'll circle back. Oh, man, that is tremendous. Uh, again, so big shout-out to Zach. A uh, big shout-out to B. Warren, who got into the league earlier today through Turf Trivia. One more spot, uh, obviously, tomorrow uh, to get in that way as well. Um, but it's populating uh, pretty quick. Cause I know some people are texting in, when's the draft? When's the draft? We're, it's Labor Day weekend. We'll, we'll probably do it next week before the season gets underway. We'll have full details for everyone uh, that has made their way into it uh, coming soon. All right. Talked about it earlier. Played a couple of clips, but here's the full uh, conversation. Uh, with Israel Fair and Jamie Dodd earlier today on Halford and Broad. You can go subscribe to the pod with Vancouver Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux. Well, I think it's it, I think it's potentially pretty exciting. I mean, uh, there's question marks. You don't know. We know Kuzmenko did great in the KHL. We're really in- interested and excited to see how that transforms to the NHL. Sometimes like a Panarin, it's unbelievably good. Sometimes... Uh, like uh, other other guys, it hasn't been successful. But I mean, um, everything from watching the video on him and and talking to him even yesterday at uh, uh, when I went and watched their skate a little bit, uh, uh, you know, it's exciting to see how that works out. The Mikheyev thing, I've liked him for a long time. Um, he really adds some great speed to the team, and I think he'll be an exciting player to watch. Uh, Lazar, you can always, you know, a solid professional. Um, with gritty forward that's played in, in a, a big role in, in Boston last year, which is a really good team. So you like to see see those things. Uh, Dakota Joshua, which we don't know much about here as the fan base, but, I mean, uh, it was really coveted by an awful lot of teams, and he chose to come here, and he's a big, strong forward. So, I mean, that's that's good. But, and then you add the, the other guys that I think, whether they had a down year or they were just on the cusp of having a really good year, I think uh, it's it's pretty a pretty exciting time um, for the Canucks to see uh, how this works out. I mean, um, you know, Brock Besser with a new deal is is going to be uh, anxious to get going. Connor Garland with a year under his belt and a very strong second half. By the way, for him, uh, I think he's excited uh, to come and see. Uh, let's see how he can do. And you know, you've got the the other guys. I mean, I think we have three of the best centers in the National League when you talk about Pedersen, Miller, and Horvath. So um, it's it's all exciting to me. And with uh, with Mikheyev and, and Curtis Lazar specifically, Bruce, you know, we know at times last season uh, the penalty kill for the Canucks struggled. There was times where it was also very effective, but both of those players, and particularly Mikheyev, have, have really done good work on, on special teams on the PK in the past. How much does that uh, help your job when you're when you're trying to figure out how to get the most out of the penalty killing unit. Well, it certainly gives you depth, and it gives you, uh, especially in McCabe's case, um, the the fact the fact that you can think a little bit of offense when you're supposed to be totally on defense. Because I mean, I, I think he was the leader in the league in or right up there in goals, but definitely in chances. Uh, on the penalty kill because of his great speed. But, you know, I mean, people make a, a lot about our, our penalty killing. But, I mean, we were 
tenth uh, in the league the last fifty six games. I mean, and I think we're just starting to get really good at it. And, and so I think we've got good penalty killers, but now we've got really good depth at the penalty killing department. As you said, Bruce, it's pretty hard to dodge uh, Canucks fans, Canucks people in this market, and that extends to training camp. People uh, analyze every bit of training camp in this market uh, to to figure out what's going to happen with the team, what the expectations should be. Uh, this will be your your first camp here in Vancouver. What what would you tell Canucks fans that they can expect from a Bruce Boudreau training camp? Well, I think there's going to be a lot of hard work and. Uh... Uh, I, I think it's going to be competitive. I mean, uh, most of the stuff I do is situa- game situational stuff, and, and we want to see the compete level right off the top of the bat, uh, right right from the start. Uh, uh, also, I mean, um, you know, some things change in the fact that the players now are usually in great shape most of the year as compared to 30, 40 years ago. But at the same time, I think training camp is the time where you have to, you know, get in the best shape possible. And the teams that are in the best shape possible usually have an advantage earlier in the year, and we want to take advantage of that. And so I think we'll we'll be a really good conditioned team and a real competitive team, knowing exactly what we want to do right from the get go. So, uh, and it has to happen that way because uh, uh, when you start five games on the road in, in tough buildings, you know. <laughs> You don't. All these other teams want the same things too, so we better be ready. You know, Bruce. Even when you have a team that that's pretty deep, like the Canucks, there's always competition in training camp in the preseason for the final roster spots. You know, the final spots in the bottom six on opening night. How do you weigh what a player does in training camp and the preseason, their performance in that environment versus their larger track record as a pro when you're deciding on those final two uh, few decisions going into the regular season? Well, personally, I think it's got to be a combination of both. I mean, uh, uh, you can't uh, dispel the fact of what somebody's done in the past, but at the same time, uh, you if that person that's done really well in the past is is not uh, up to uh, up to expectations during training camp, and somebody comes in and steals a job, well, then you know what. Uh, uh, it makes competition better, and I mean, it might not uh, uh, might not steal it for for the whole time, but it's it's going to be tough for the other guy to get back in the lineup uh, at the beginning anyway. And and I think we've got enough of those guys that I mean, uh, and we're deep enough that it's going to be a really good competitive training camp, and that's uh, I think what any team wants. Uh, we're in conversation with Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreau here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, one of the other new things going into the season will be a new look coaching staff uh, for you to work with, Bruce, including Mike Yo, Trent Cull getting the promotion from the AHL to the NHL bench. How do you feel about uh, about the coaching staff, and and how do you think you're gonna you're all gonna work together? Well, we're real excited to to be the, uh, as a staff right now. I mean, we're uh, um, all in, and you know we're not supposed to be uh, getting together till uh, Friday is our first day, but everybody's in uh early and liked a lot of the players are going to be and and we're you know working together we're going out to dinners and and i think we're going to be a close-knit uh coaching staff and i i think we're uh you know we're all going to be in sync with each other so I, i'm really excited about it i mean uh uh like i i you know uh 
got to know all of them pretty well over the course of the summer, and I just think uh, that we're going to gel pretty good, and, and uh, we can't wait. we're all in the same boat. After you took over as the, the head coach of the Canucks, uh, obviously the, the results started to change for the team, and there was some excitement within the fan base about the way the team was playing, the way the team was performing. And I think everybody looks at th- that final stretch and sees it as a potential building block. But I, I think from some of the comments that we've heard uh, around the league, there's still some intrigue about what might be different from even the successful stretch that you had toward the end of last year. What, what do you look at? to start this year that that might be different from the way that the team played, even while you had success at the end of last season? Well, I I think they're going to go in. um, uh, Hopefully we go into the season with a little confidence. And uh, uh, whereas I know when I, when I took over the team last year, they, uh, when you lose, it's really, it's really difficult to have a lot of confidence, but I think at the end of the year, the, these guys were thinking that they're they're capable of doing much better, and uh, uh, I think that's going to be a big difference going into camp. I think uh, the leaders became better leaders, and and the younger players that were getting good were getting really good. The first year guys like the Ekman Larsons, the Garlands that that came the Pod Colsons that were here for the first time uh, now are looking forward to a second year, and I think they'll come in um, not. Uh, wondering what what happens in Vancouver, but knowing what what's going to happen, and and I think that's going to be a big difference. So, I, and and the fact that uh, everybody knows that um, you know we didn't start off that well, important that that is. I think uh, that that's going to be an important factor in in the way training camp goes and the way the season starts. Uh, one of the other things we heard from uh, from Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin at their end of season press conference was they wanted to see the team play with a little more structure and, and find a way to to exit the defensive zone cleanly more consistently. Is is that uh, is that going to be a big focus of training camp in the preseason for you, Bruce? Is trying to instill some of those ideas on on how the team plays? Well, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna instill. Uh, the way we want to play. I mean, uh, don't forget, there's other teams out there that we're playing against that want to stop us. Uh, we will all be on the same page of how we play. Uh, I think our structure of the way we played uh, was actually pretty good. Myself, I mean, we allowed shots, but an awful lot of outside shots. And I think uh, in in the time that we were here, we were in the top five defensively in the league. We might not have done a lot of great exits and everything else, and that is something that we're definitely going to work on and we're going to get better at and um but uh, i think overall i think uh, we're uh, we're we're going in the right direction that's what we want to do we want to keep getting better in everything we do bruce boudreau meeting with the morning show earlier today israel fair and Jamie Dodd filling in for Halford and Bruff earlier today. You can go listen to the, the full thing and their pod on Spotify, Google, or Apple. And, yeah, some interesting thoughts there. I heard about McKayev and, and Elias Pettersson, too, as well. And, and that's going to be an interesting one. He talked about the young players taking their stride. And, obviously, Elias, part of, Elias Pettersson was part of that. As the, the points really started to fly. Part of it was from the wing. And he's highlighted, hey, we have three really great centers, Horvat, Miller, and Pedersen. 
that production that we saw from Pedersen last year is really something that's going to have to translate into this upcoming season. Big time. And you do have an upgrade in wingers now, so you can spread out the love throughout the lineup. And this is where we all start. We've been doing it before, though. We start scribbling those lines again. Now that the coach said three strong centers, drops a bit of a hint. The... When we're talking to Woodley earlier, you can go catch that in hour three of the pod. The machinations, and we're all going to be so excited on the 22nd to see what it looks like in preseason, all that sort of stuff. I feel like I can conjure up three different combinations, four different combinations with Elias Patterson that really gets me excited and makes me think, okay, these wingers really work. I'm going to be really interested to see who they choose. If it's McKayev, if it's Colson, if it's Garland, if it's Besser. There's so many different combinations that can work, but I want to see what, what the, the the real idea is behind uh, Boudreaux and the entire staff of what they want to do uh, with the with the star player like that. Yeah, part of that is also, and he did talk about Kuzmenko in that yep. interview, of being honest, we don't know what we have. You know, he could be a Panarin where he takes over the league, or he could be a guy that doesn't have success and is pretty much gone. Like, he, he admits that they don't know what they have, but... If that skill set works out, that's another player you look at to say, who would he play well with? If that, you know, hockey sense and and just in skill translates to the NHL level, then having a playmaking winger as well gives you options, Vic. We talk about sometimes who could be a complimentary player to a Bo Horvat or or somebody else for that nature. Kuzmenko is a big part of this conversation. Like, what do you have there? Vic Nazar, Randy, Jana, back at it tomorrow here on The People Show. Appreciate you, as always, being part of our day in the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, see you soon here on The People Show on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.